Diego Castro looking for the angle. Oh, superb! Diego Castro, take a bow. Take it Across the front of the defender intelligently, Andy Keogh puts Perth in front. Hi guys, and thanks very much indeed for downloading this latest episode of the Inside Glory podcast. I'm Gareth Morgan, and it is great to be back talking all things glory. Now, preparations are, of course, very much well underway for the 2021-22 season. And our guest today has been one of the busiest figures at the club over the last few weeks and months. Well, fortunately, he has managed to find time in his hectic player recruitment schedule to join me. Glory's Westfield W League head coach, Alex Ipakis, is here. Alex, how are you? Very well. Thanks, Gareth. Thanks for having me. When I say Alex uh, joins me, he doesn't literally join me. He's in lockdown in Sydney just at the moment. How is that treating you, mate? How's it been going? Yeah, mate. Uh, it's you know it's unfortunate the way things have have happened. Um, obviously, it's really important we we do our bit to to keep everyone you know healthy and safe. And lockdown is difficult, but you know it's uh, hopefully a means to an end. Well, hopefully chatting to us today will uh, at least occupy half an hour or so of your Monday over there in Sydney. Uh, Before we come right up to date, mate, and discuss Glory and your plans for the future, we should probably just explore your own coaching journey a little bit. You essentially stopped playing in your early 20s to focus solely upon coaching. What was it that prompted that decision? Yeah, that's... um... It's an interesting question and one I get asked a little bit. I think ultimately for me, I um, I love the game. I love playing. I love watching. I love coaching. Um, during my, you know, from 12 to the age of 19, 20, I was involved in uh, MPL programs here in Sydney and I enjoyed football. I enjoyed the development side of it. I always enjoyed training and playing and competing. But I think um, while my passion for the game was very strong, I always had a clear idea of wanting to be involved in the game at a professional level. And, you know, obviously by the age of 21, 22, you sort of come to that realisation that it's not going to happen. And I was very comfortable with that. But then what I wanted to do was refocus and pivot to an area within the game where I think I could be involved uh, professionally. And then at the time, 21, 22, when I stopped playing, I was just sort of finishing my degree. And I thought uh, coaching felt the best fit I felt I had some of the characteristics and and the profile required to be involved in, in in leading and guiding people. So made that decision and haven't looked back since. So as you said, you essentially you stopped playing. You focused solely upon the coaching. Uh, ended up working in the youth system at, at Sydney FC, and you were then assistant to Heather Garriock at, at Canberra United. So your first taste of the W League there, and then head coach at Sydney University, you enjoyed great success uh, in the NPL New South Wales. What were some of the the highlights and some of the key learnings that you took from from those three roles that you played? Yeah, mate, I think coaching is is a journey and there was so many really good experiences. So, when I made the decision at 22 to to just focus solely on, on coaching, I was very fortunate to get a a position in a professional environment very early on in my coaching sort of journey uh, there at Sydney FC. Uh, I was involved with coaching uh, 
many of the boys' teams across across the youth phase for two years. And that's where I first had the opportunity to, to meet both Tony and, and Terry, who are now at Perth, and build a really strong relationship with them. What I needed was that experience to sort of identify what type of coach I wanted to be and what type of environment I wanted to work in. And it came to the realisation that after spending two years within youth football, while it's critically important, uh, I wanted to um, then cut my teeth in senior football at a performance level and the opportunity at Canberra where uh, Heather gave me another fantastic opportunity came, came about. So I thought senior football, let's see what that's about. And um, yeah, I've, I've really found myself in, in senior football since then. It was good to get a, a good, good opportunity and good grounding working with senior players under Heather, who, you know, is fantastic um, status within the women's game and has achieved a lot. So to work closely with her was fantastic. And then um, between now and then, I, I had four very good years at Sydney University where I uh, had the opportunity to, to lead it myself and, and paint my own picture. And I think that's, that's been great. And I think across those three opportunities so far, it's given me the experience and the toolkit to, to come here to Perth and, and do my absolute best. And how did the move to, to Glory come about, mate? And what was it that particularly excited you about the opportunity here? Yeah, um, again, you know, I think as anything happens in football, it's you don't expect it and it happened quickly. Um, I had just finished the MPL season with Sydney Uni. We uh, had an undefeated season but lost in the grand final, which was a bit disappointing. And I thought after four years at the club, it was time for me to have a little bit of a break and also for that club and the playing group as well to experience new voices so um i thought i was just yeah going to take some time away and see see what other opportunities presented itself and as i said football works in a funny way two weeks into my break i i got a call from from tony and terry and they suggested that an opportunity may be coming available and went through the official processes um you know the interview stages etc and yeah a few days later I, i was um on a plane to Perth, getting ready for a two-week quarantine period. Well, I guess last season, it would have been the biggest challenge of your coaching career to date anyway, uh, as your first role as a head coach of a, of a double league team. But under the circumstances, the off-field circumstances, it could hardly have been uh, more challenging. Looking back on it now, mate, what, uh, what did you sort of take from it, from it personally? What did you learn most, do you think, from what went on last year? Yeah, I think what I was searching for after my Sydney Uni experience was a, was an opportunity that was going to rattle my cage both professionally and personally. And um, I certainly got given exactly what I asked for with the opportunity at Perth. And, you know, uh, I'm a fighter and I'm a project person. And that those type of elements uh, became evident in what the role would be at Perth in that initial season, given the timings and given all the uncertainty around COVID and where the team was currently at uh, in the middle of pre-season. And I just looked at that and saw opportunity, uh, opportunity to build, you know, a long-standing um, successful program, opportunity to build uh, something from the ground up and, and really shape and mould it in a way in which the club and, and the stakeholders wanted it to go is also myself and, and more importantly, the players. So, yeah, I mean, there was, there were so many difficult moments. I don't believe one week went according to what the, 
uh, prescribed schedule was. But what, what I learned in that environment was, was firstly communication has to be really good because when, when information and, and um, you know, things change, you've got to be able to be very agile with how you communicate that, the way in which you communicate that and ensuring there's a level of empathy because it was, a, it was distress, distressful at some times uh, for some of the players and the staff with the constant changing. What I also learned was, was really key to me was, again, looking at the, the glass half full uh, and looking for the opportunity in things. And one key thing that we tried to have throughout the whole season with all the difficulties and, and the chopping and changing was, well, what is the opportunity? And the opportunity always was, well, we're sent, setting up a foundation that it will never be as difficult as this. So if we can get through this, uh, we'll, we'll be much better for it in the long run. Well, you certainly did. I saw you know, up, up close and personal that, that you did definitely take that kind of glass half full approach, as you mentioned, but you are ultimately only human, mate. Were there times when confronted by yet another schedule change or, or some ridiculous off-field development that you just felt like launching your whiteboard out of the window? Oh, look, mate, I certainly can't lie. There were certainly some difficult moments and moments where in my coaching journey to date, I hadn't experienced and when you're experiencing something for the first time, you sort of ask yourself, well, how am I meant to react here? What's the appropriate response? And so many different things go through your mind in those moments. Uh, but I was very fortunate that the playing group maintained a very strong, healthy and positive culture. I was very uh, well supported by the club. I was very well supported by my support staff. And while there were difficult moments, I believe collectively we were managing to overcome all those and, you know, we might have grazed ourselves along the way, but, yeah, the hurdles were there and, and some way we went over, under or through them. And how, I suppose, how much do you feel that overcoming those hurdles will stand the squad and yourself in good stead now heading into the new campaign? I think it will be priceless. Uh, I think we have all learned to be extremely resilient, resilient in terms of results, resilient in terms of, situational um, circumstances, uh, resilient in terms of training hard. You know, that level of resilience is something that you can only gain through experience. And we've certainly had our fair share of, of hurdles now to, to gain that level of resilience. And I just think that there will be nothing going forward, fingers crossed, that can, you know, deviate us more than what was thrown at us last year. And I think as we build something with the club, uh, we'll always have a reference point back to, to last season. And I think whenever there's a little bit of a, a dark moment, we just sort of reshift to what it was and realise that it certainly uh, will help us in, in overcoming anything. You mentioned dark moments there, Alex. Can, can it be a, a lonely position, that of, that of head coach? And, and if so, who are your sort of your go-to people? Who are your sounding boards if you need to to discuss something, whether that's you know, a selection issue or a tactical idea, or if you just need to have a good vent, as I think we all do every now and then. Yeah, mate, coaching's a roller coaster, And I think in any position of leadership, whether it be sporting or, or politics or organisation, corporations, et cetera, um, the person at the top uh, certainly rides a wave of roller coasters, not just throughout a season, but weekly, daily. Um, there's so many decisions that you're accountable for and those decisions affect uh, a whole range of things, including people's emotions and, and things like that. So 
you're always going to be faced with that level of, um, you know, darkish moments, as I mentioned, where if things don't go right, uh, you, you want to take the brunt of it and take the pressure off everyone else because ultimately uh, the buck stops with me. I, as I mentioned, I was very fortunate to have very good support staff who I was able to share ideas with, share concerns with. Terry McFlynn and, and Tony were obviously fantastic sounding boards and, and a great level of support throughout the whole process. And away from football, you've obviously got family, friends and, and a very supporting partner who was able to assist during that that um, yeah, that yeah that point in time. But, Matt, I've got thick skin and uh, so do the players and, and everyone at the club. I think we, uh, yeah, as, as I said, we're, we're just really excited to see how it's going to turn out going forward. Now, speaking to the players, Alex, about your coaching style, one of the comments, uh, it's okay, it's all complimentary. One of the comments uh, that uh, I kept receiving again and again was the focus that you have, the attention to detail uh, that you've brought to the to the role and how hard you drive yourself. That level of preparation and commitment to leaving no stone unturned, as it were, are they, are they main sort of planks of your coaching style, do you think? Uh, look, I think uh, I'm a career coach, you know, so I think when, you, when you're a career coach and you set out to be the best in that field you possibly can, you need to delve through every bit of information and research, uh, quantitative and qualitative data that's available to, to help build my toolkit. You know, as it's been pointed out prior, I wasn't a professional player, so I, I had to find my point of difference as a coach in other areas. Uh, and one thing I was always really keen on was making sure that my preparation effort was as thorough and meticulous as it possibly could be because there were things that I could control. And, you know, I, I'm a student of the game and I study the game. And, and you know, you obviously build a portfolio of knowledge uh, based on your own playing style and opposition and trends, etc. So I try to incorporate that within training as much as I possibly can and, and make sure it's more of an objective approach as opposed to a subjective sort of framework. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, obviously through that, a lot of information is, is given in a lot of different ways, whether it be PowerPoint or on the field or tactics board, video, et cetera. So, yeah, I, I would say the details are a big part of who I am as a coach. And, you know, again, I go back to the support staff. They were fantastic in assisting me with that information process and delivering that information in a, in a detailed manner, but in a, also in a manner which the players can translate and understand. And just staying on your coaching style, mate, at a, at a wider level, how would you, and I know this can be a bit tricky, how would you sum up the kind of football that you want your team to play? Yeah, uh, mate, I, I want to imply, I, I want to explore and implore the idea of an intense style of forward football with and without the ball. Uh, I'm all for play being quick and at a high tempo as we look to attack the match and, and not let the match sort of go by. We want to attack the opposition, always attack the goal. I want it to be distinct, mate. I want it to be recognisable and something that excites people and especially excites the players because I think when you, you get that level of internal motivation about players and staff being proud and excited about what we're doing, then you just get more out of it. But, but ultimately, mate, I, I want to be relentless and, and, and compete to win. And that's sort of a utopian framework that I work off. And all my training and all my work is 
um, centered towards that type of style. Uh, and it takes time and it takes certain player profiling and, and player characteristics. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's what I want, mate. I, I just want it to be something so intense and something that people really enjoy playing and people enjoy watching. Well, I mentioned how proactive you've been on the recruitment front since last season came to an end. Um, how happy are you now, mate, with the squad that you've assembled and how many more signings are we likely to see in the coming days and weeks? Uh, mate, I'm ecstatic with the players that we've been able to secure so far. Um, I genuinely believe through the process of um, assessment and analysing what we've been able to recruit, every player is going to bring something to the table. Every player is coming with uh, a skill set that's going to be able to contribute to that playing style that I just mentioned. Uh, and most importantly, every player, through due diligence, I've been able to ascertain that they've got a fantastic work rate fantastic attitude towards uh, putting the team first and creating a positive environment. And they're really core factors to the group, very core factors to, to my approach of how an environment should be run. So I, I'm super excited to, to work very closely with the players, work very closely with the collective group. Um, in terms of the recruitment, we're, we're not quite done. Hopefully we've got a few announcements coming uh, in the next few days. Um, I would say, yeah, there's still a few more people to, to be brought in and secured. And we've, we've certainly done the majority of our work very early on. Uh, and the next, next few that come through will, will be the finishing touches as we lead into pre-season. Of the players uh, that we've signed so far, are there one or two uh, that perhaps you might be able to give us a little few details about, ones that perhaps the, the members and fans aren't too familiar with? Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> absolutely. I think, again... When you do a large-scale or a wide-scale approach to recruitment, there's always going to be players where, you know, it's not known to a local community or a local group. And for me, it was really important just to ascertain, as I said, what, what, what were the key profiling and the character traits that were needed to bring the playing style to life in order to compete? So, yeah, when you dig deep, there were, there were certainly some plays that, you know, came, came, to, came to mind and, and came to our – through our recruitment process. Um, one from Melbourne, young Alana Janczewski, 18-year-old uh, winger, attacker, attacking mid. Um, she's been involved at Melbourne Victory for a number of years and we're really excited that we've been able to secure her for the next few seasons. She's, she's done well at a youth national level. I believe she's one of the top goal scorers currently in the NPL Victoria season and I think she's someone who has a really fantastic skill set in that attacking third and will ex excite people. She's exciting when she has the ball at her feet. I think another young player that we've been able to secure is uh, Aideen Keane. Again, similar to Alana, young, uh, done well at youth national team levels, has been involved in W League at West Sydney Wanderers in the season that's just gone by. Explosive player, intense player with and without the ball. Uh, another goal scorer, and I believe she's currently maybe sitting top of the MPL New South Wales competition in terms of goals scored. So you look at that firepower and that X factor, and I think they're the players that excite me. So I think that anyone who's observing from afar, they'll, they'll be excited by, by those players as well. And, you know, there's a number of others. Um, and you know, I think that every, everything that we're trying to do is, is, you know, to score goals and to win games. And every player we've brought in will, will assist with that process. 
with all the recruitment meetings that you've been having, mate, has the coffee bill gone through the roof? <laughs> My time in the toilet's gone through the roof with all that <laughs> caffeine. Um, yeah, look, uh, recruitment's a, a long process, mate, because you, you want to do it right. And by the time you sit and have a chat with, with a player, you, you've already done countless amount of hours of due diligence and research and video and assessment. So by the time you do get that opportunity where you, you're sitting to the player and you're, you're explaining the vision for a club, um, you, you know a lot about them and you try and do reference checks with, with previous players or previous coaches uh, to make sure that the, the attitude part and the, the, menta- you know, the mental part is also intact. And, you know, I, I really have enjoyed that, that experience of researching and, and really making sure that we uh, don't leave a stone unturned in the recruitment process. And I'm not too interested in the idea of W League experience. I think that plays a part, but it's not the whole picture. Some of the players that did really well last year in the W League came in with minimal W League experience. The way the competition's going, I think it's um, certainly more of a, of a competition that's there for opportunity and, and for players to get the opportunity to do well. And we've tried to get the balance right with that. And, you know, for every player that we've been able to secure, there's been one that's knocked us back and that, that's fine, that's football. Um, but we would just make sure that anyone who's committed to the, you know, to the club is is very clear on the vision, very clear on, on their role, very clear on the way we want to operate. And most importantly, they're coming to represent the whole of WA um, in the best possible light. But it's great to see that your persistence has paid off and uh, managed to assemble, as you said, a very, very exciting-looking squad. Now, in terms of the new Westfield W League campaign, we don't have a fixed start date just yet. We're imagining that it'll be around about early to mid-November. That seems to be the latest word at the moment. But I imagine you already have a full plan in place for when you want to get the group together and how you'll be approaching pre-season, especially bearing in mind the sort of truncated nature of pre-season last year. Yeah, look, last season was was a very small pre-season block for me and the players. Um, I think it was maybe a week at most. And, you know, pre-season's critical from a not just a preparation physically point of view, but also a preparation in terms of a playing style and, and building relationships with players. Doing that uh, early in the piece ensures that as a, when the season actually kicks on, you can be really specific and, and work on certain things with individuals in the team. Um, so taking into account what we didn't get to achieve last year, we're now very clear on what we need to achieve this year in pre-season. Uh, and physically, that, that's massive. The, the game, the women's game in particular, is becoming a, a very high-speed game and it's growing in its level of uh, intense actions and intense metres that are being run. So we want to make sure that the players are, are prepared for that and able to go above that, the minimum requirements. And then, as I said, then it's about instilling and bringing to life the playing style and, and bringing that to life through through different mediums, video, uh, on the field, off the field, one-on-one sessions, et cetera. Uh, it's, yeah, it's a critical point of the season. Uh, and what we're doing now is making sure that we have a really clear framework about what each day for that six-week pre-season block is going to look like. Well, you're going to get asked this question a lot, mate, as uh, we approach the start of pre-season and then build towards the start of the campaign. What would represent success for Glory in your eyes next year? Uh, look, I think first and foremost, we, we want to compete to win in every game. Um, you know, it's 
that's just such a critical part of the game at this level. We, we, we need to be competing in every moment of every match. And if we do that well enough and we bring the playing style to life and, and we manage the opposition, uh, then you, get, you give yourself a really good chance of winning. So that, that's right at the top. I think success would also mean, obviously, uh, going as close to a finals position as possible. Uh, success would also mean player development. Success would also mean, um, yeah, the, the playing style coming to life for larger periods of the game uh, and dominating games. So yeah, there's there's a few key factors there that we look at on a on a holistic point of view. But I'm really confident that while success can be seen in many ways, um, we we just need to be ready to to go through the roller coaster of what a season is and ensure that at the end of the season where we look back and we're proud with what we've been able to achieve and we've ticked off the boxes that we set out to achieve within the group. And, you know, I think if we do all of those things, we, we can all be really excited about what's ahead and what the season can bring. Absolutely. Well, certainly a lot of excitement of building. I'll just flip something at you on the personal side, mate, in terms of, Looking back now, historically, is there one team, any one team from history, that if you had a chance to coach them, they would be your number one choice? Oh, mate, that's a great question. Um, for me, when I look back at the history of football or my, my, his, my relationship in the history with football, what, one team that really stood out to me and, and played a part in me really falling in love with the game was the the Arsenal Invincible team. Um, I I look back and that 03-04 period where, where there was all those fantastic players, uh, the run they went on, oh, I think that would have been something really special to, you know, special team to coach. So I think that would that would have to be my pick, mate. Well, I can see the, the you know, the symmetry there stylistically. I was going to suggest the Greece side from the 2004 Euros, but then I remember their style and it certainly doesn't tally with the uh, the intense style of forward football that you referred <laughs> refer to earlier. No, they certainly don't. But then, you know, in saying that, there's a level of uh, underdog, passion, uh, attitude, competitiveness, grit. And, you know, that's, if not more important, you know, that every that type of uh, a style if you're able to combine that with the finesse of, of those fantastic playing aesthetic teams, then you've really got something special. And I think it's really important to utilise and, and appreciate both styles. And, you know, that, that triumph that Greece had was certainly something really special. And I was really proud as an Australian Greek to, to see Greece do well in that tournament and something sort of defy the odds. And, um, you know, certainly there's, a, there's an element of that to, towards what we're trying to do as well. So, yeah, both special uh, special moments. Well, I can't let you go, mate, without uh, referring to your touchline attire. I know one or two of the girls have suggested that you should dig out the suit for the new season. It's probably the only managerial outfit we haven't seen you in. We've seen you in the kind of smart trousers. We've seen you in the more the tracksuit look. Are we going to see the formal suit and tie this year? Uh, not in those hot... WA 38 degree days, mate. Um, look, I think I, I don't plan it. I, I sort of just see what I pack, uh, especially for those away trips. 
But um, no, look, mate. Well, if I do something something out of the box, I'll, I'll let you know. Maybe but, that's yeah, something we we'll should see. we should run a poll. I think maybe on social media to get some uh, to get some suggestions. At which point you'd probably wear be forced to wear evening dress. I imagine that's probably the, <laughs> the way to go. So. Right, mate. We'll probably we're just about to to run out of time, so we will wrap things up there. But thanks very much indeed for joining us today and uh, sharing your thoughts. And look forward to catching up with you when you're out of lockdown and back over here in Western Australia. Yeah, mate. Thank you. Hopefully, it's very soon because I can't wait to get over there and, and really rip into the to the season that's upon us. Sounds good. Now, thanks very much as well to everyone who has downloaded today's pod. Do look out for a very exciting new podcast project, which is coming your way extremely soon to mark the club's 25th anniversary. Some fantastic content planned as we celebrate another great glory milestone. And we'll have more information for you on that front very shortly. That is it for today. We'll catch you again very soon indeed, right here on the Inside Glory podcast. Diego Castro looking for the angle, superb, Diego Castro, take a bow, take it again, Potosky, he's done it, Bobby Despotosky, across the front of the defender intelligently, Andy Keogh puts Perth in front.